Welcome to the Natural Hair Education Podcast, where we empower, educate, and embrace our essence through the love of natural hair. I am your host, Corinthian Carruthers II, and thank you for listening. I am a licensed beauty educator, licensed cosmetologist, and natural hair culturist. I am co-owner of Creative Hair School of Cosmetology and creator of Natural Hair Education, where I guide, teach, and coach beauty school students and professional stylists on their path towards mastering and increasing their value and income in natural hair care and braiding. On this platform, we will discuss real hair stories, break myths, and grow in self-love. Hey everyone, on today's episode, I have a special guest by the name of Dana Mott. Listen, you guys, Dana in my book is a superwoman, okay? You will learn so much in this episode. She has so many great tips, suggestions, ideas, ways of thinking. She's phenomenal. So I'm going to read her bio and we can get down to the podcast. Dana is a wife, mom, licensed esthetician, author, speaker, and health enthusiast. Her associate in applied science triggered her interest in the human body and function. For the past 13 years, she had used her background to educate in the beauty industry on how the body works together by combining both nature and science. In 2019, Dana released her book, Kinky Locks, as an additional resource for her community. She also does coaching and online courses for beauty professionals to increase their sales and retention. The course focuses on marketing, branding, and social media. In 2016, Dana launched Lady Day LLC. Lady Day LLC has subsidiary branches including DNA Wellness, Oil City Squad, and Mottrepreneurs that all embody different aspects of community, health, and wellness. She specializes in skin care, hair care, essential oils, child development, body function, diet, and self-care. Now let's get to the episode. Here's Dana Mott. Hi, Dana. Welcome to the Natural Hair Education Podcast. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Before I get into the questions I have for you, can you just let us know who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as mentioned, my name is Dana. Um, I've been in the beauty industry now about 16 years, um, which seems crazy when I think about it, because I'm like, in my head, I still feel like I like just started. (laughs) Um, But I've always kind of had um, a passion for like beauty. I've always had a passion for even like how things work. So it's funny because at some point I was uh, going to school to be a physical therapist because I loved how the body works and operates and everything moves. And so when I transitioned into the beauty industry, I still loved those aspects, but just for the skin and for the hair um, and things like that. Um, so that's really kind of what started me on my path, started me on my journey. Um, I am a wife, uh, a mom of two. Um, and so now I just love, love, love the education pieces when it comes around the beauty industry, um, because especially being around it so long, there's so many things that I didn't know. And I, I really believe that other people didn't, don't realize or know as well. Um, and in addition, how it's linked to even our, um, health and wellness, 
Um, because many times when people think about skin, they think, oh, it protects us from things, right? Where the reality is whatever you put on your skin goes in your bloodstream. Uh, and so that's a little bit about me, where my passion comes from, and a lot of like what I like to talk about. That is awesome. So I did notice that you are a licensed esthetician. And you did mention that you were in school for physical therapy. I never knew that. I didn't know that. But how did you make that transition? What made you um, go, get into skincare and aesthetics? Yeah, so it's interesting because um, halfway through my program um, to be a physical therapist, they actually changed the, the requirements where you had to get a doctorate instead of just a master's. Um, and at that time, I was kind of in this place where I was really doing it because it just seemed secure, not really necessarily because it was like, oh, I'm so passionate about this and I love this. Um, and I remember my mom actually coming to me and being like, hey, well, you've always loved things that revolve around like the beauty industry. Um, and her first suggestion was like, why don't you like go be like a massage therapist? Like you can, you know, take a little time off from school. Um, it's not a whole lot of time that you would take away. And even if you do it and you get licensed and you're like, hey, I don't even really like it, it's still a wonderful skill that would, you know, kind of adapt well to um, what you're going to school for. Um, and as I thought about it more and more, I was like, yeah, that sounds good, but I don't really want to touch people that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get it. And so, um, again, because I was like attracted to um, the whole beauty industry. And then I also was like, and I don't know if I really want to do hair. So let me try aesthetics. Um, because I like, I love makeup. I love lashes. I love, you know, pretty things. So I'm like, let me just see what that is about. Um, and at the time, the program that I could do, it was like just a year long. Um, and again, just like my mom was saying, just take a short period off. If you hate it, go back to school, finish up, you know, you're still young. Um, and so that's really what happened. And when I got into it and I was in school, like, I loved it. I'm like, this is it. Like, mm -hmm. I can kind of, you know, incorporate some of those other things and still do something. And I actually enjoy it versus when I was studying for what I was studying for before. I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Um, funny story is when I graduated high school, I had to make a decision, right? I had to make a decision if I'm going to go to college, if I'm going to stay home, go away. And I had a scholarship to go to Tennessee State, right? Five-year scholarship to a run track. But I was so terrified of leaving home. I was so scared. And so my parents were like, well, what are you going to do? And at the time, they owned a beauty school. I'm like, I don't want to go to beauty school, though. Like, I don't want to be a hairstylist. My first passion thinking about the beauty industry was to become an esthetician. Like, because like you, I love the skin. I love the makeup. I love, you know, different ways of making the face look great. But I actually took the path of becoming a cosmetologist. <laughs> and, you know, I still learn skincare, but not just as deep and thorough as you probably did um, in your schooling. Um, how has that been for you? Because you've got a lot of stuff going on, and I do want to get into all the things that you do. But with the skincare, I just feel like it's so important, um, especially for us naturals, that sometimes skin could be an issue for a lot of us, not being able to just walk out the house without any makeup on, and our hair is natural. You feel like, oh my goodness, what am I doing to myself <laughs> right now? But how has this path been for you being in the beauty industry as an educator, as a health and wellness coach, beauty coach, 
How has this industry been for you? Again, I still love it. With all of the things that I do, I still find I gravitate right back to it. Like if anything that I do outside of it, if I can't incorporate the beauty aspect and the skincare, it's not as enjoyable for me. So I really do know that that is my center. That's my core. Um, and just from what I've learned and how I'm able to help other people, um, even something what seems small maybe to, to us as I'm breaking out on my chin and I can't figure it out. Like when we get to dig deeper into, well, what is your diet, right? Mm -hmm. What, what is your stress looking like? Is it hormonal? right? Like what other things can be contributing to that? Um, I think that it really opens up so much more to just, oh, because I, I, my, sometimes people would joke and they're like, oh, you just wash people's face. And I'm like, no, 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 no. As an esthetician, that's not what I do when I do facials. Like um, I love, love, love the aspect of looking at all of the things and how many people that I've been able to like impact how many people that I've been able to help um even like teenagers who you know especially when you're going through that stage where you're like I don't know what to do like I've never had to deal with these type of things um I feel like there's so many pieces um that we don't talk about that are important too even from an emotional standpoint right because again mm -hmm. if I'm natural right and my my face is all broke out like it's like I'm already drawing attention here and then I'm drawing attention there but I'm all about that, like self-love, empowerment, like so that you can have control over how you feel and look. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to piggyback on that, just could you, because I know that you're into um, self-care as well, and I just did a whole series around self-care. What are some ways that we women can practice self-care, especially yeah, again, yeah. us naturals, and we're still trying to get used to our hair, learn our hair texture, getting, trying to, you know, prep our skin to be beautiful and glowy and all those things. What's some other things that we could do to help up build, build up our self-esteem? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, community is so important. Um, I always use the analogy of a moai, which is in Japan, um, they actually group people together um, at a very, very young age. And so it'll be people that have common interests as them. And as they grow up, they stake with these moais. And what happens is because they are so close, they are not only a, a physical support for each other, but they're also emotional support. They're spiritual support. Um, they're all of the things and they support one another. And so I think that for me, especially like when I first started, the first thing I wanted was community. Like I was thriving, like because when I, especially when I first transitioned, I was still like working in spas and I was working in some high-end spas. And I remember like, especially because I had clientele that was Caucasian and I had a clientele that, you know, looked like me. And I remember comments by like some of my Caucasian clients, like, oh, you didn't get your hair done today. Or, oh, what happened? You know? And so to have like a community where I could go back and other people to say, no, you're beautiful the way you are. Like this, like yeah. they're just, they have not got to learn and accept who you are, but you're beautiful the way you are. And when, and, and especially I would say even for like little girls as they're growing up, when they can see other mm -hmm. little girls wearing their hair natural, they can see grown women wearing their hair natural, they can accept and be okay with that. Um, so to me, first and foremost, I think community is important. 
You need people that think like you, that accept you for who you are, what you are, and what you're representing. They're not going to downplay um, who you are. Um, so I was, I, I don't know. I think that's my strongest one that I would say. No, that is good. I never thought about it like that because, you know, subconsciously we attract the things around us that we see and we, you know, are groomed and molded and molded into those things. So yeah, community is huge. I never thought about it from that point of view of just surrounding ourselves with people that we either aspire to be or look like us or, you know, doing things that we want to do. That is amazing. That is good. <laughs> okay. Now you are also an author. Tell us about that journey. How did that come to life? Absolutely. So so the book came about really because it was a process of my own journey. Um, so growing up, um, so I have a sister that is two years older than me and she's a hairstylist. <laughs> and so um we would swap services. So as an esthetician, I would do her services and she would do my hair. And so I didn't do my hair a whole lot. <laughs> and I didn't know even where to start when it came to being natural. So mm. it's like the simple things that I knew how to flat iron, I can, you know, wear a wrap, like that was easy. Um, so when I transitioned, it was such a process and I didn't realize how much of a process this was going to be. And I remember going on YouTube and I remember <laughs> Googling all types of things. And then I would do and buy all the products that all of them recommended. And then I would do my hair exactly the way they said it. And it did not look like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that so often. <laughs> and so what I decided was throughout my journey, I wanted to like put together simple recipes like that anybody could use and you could change them up if you wanted to and they would be cost effective. <laughs> so it's not, it's not just a product line, but like I use a lot of flaxseed gel on my hair, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I make the recipe for myself, I add um, some type of fatty oil. I usually use avocado oil. But now my mom's texture of hair is different from my hair. And she put avocado oil in there and it was heavy and it was too much mm, for her hair, right? Okay. So she could use the same recipe, but then just adjust maybe the type of oil that she puts in there. And then it works well for her hair as well. Um, another like huge part of my journey is my daughter. So my daughter is now 11. And I remember one day when I was doing her hair, um, and she was frustrated. She was in tears. I think I was in tears. And she was like, and at the time I was not wearing my hair natural. She was like, mommy, I can't wait till I'm older so that I can straighten my hair like you. And when wow. she said those words, it like cut me because right. what I was teaching her is that it was easier to wear her hair like that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew if I was going to help create in her a love for who she was in her natural hair I had to first love me in my natural hair and so I also as a dedication to her and a resource to other mothers as they're making that transition or they're trying to help their kids and things like that I knew that this book was going to be important to kind of get out there in the world yes and, and okay is that your daughter on the cover that is my daughter on the cover. Oh my goodness, she has so <laughs> she has so much hair. So 
Um, the book is called Kinky Locks. Yeah. So it's a it's really mainly a DIY hair book. So okay. it has tons and tons of recipes. Um, so it goes through from something as simple as I know a huge thing for me is I do a lot of apple cider vinegar rinses. Yes. So one mistake I was making for my hair texture is I'm using different shampoos or I'm using different things. And then my scalp would be super dry and flaky. And then my hair <laughs> would not be clean or it would be dry. And so I was having all of these different issues. So what I would find is between shampooing, if I just did like an apple cider vinegar rinse, it actually cleansed my scalp and I didn't get buildup, but it didn't strip me of my oils. So there's a, a lot of those recipes in there. There's just some hair masks that you can make for your hair. I even got a few little uh, serums that include like essential oils and things like that for like, um, I, there was a period where I had some, some balding uh, starting on my edges. <laughs> so I'm trying to grow those back. Um, so it's mainly a DIY hair book. Um, you get a little glimpse in the beginning of like my journey, why I wrote it and things like that. Um, but it's, it's mainly DIY. That is amazing. And that is really good. I just did a class on products. And one thing about your um, book and your recipes is I just know they're natural. Like we're not putting in chemicals and trying to coat and protect the hair using things that are real. So I commend you on that. That is like amazing. Thank you. The next thing I want to speak to you about is you say you're a health enthusiast. Um, is that more so like diet, like diet wise or just using things that are natural and healthy for the body? And could you tell us how you got started with just being more conscious about your health? Absolutely. So, um, so it's, it's really all of the things. Um, I started though, so my other child kind of comes into play where <laughs> I started on this part of my journey. I actually was having a lot of issues getting pregnant and having miscarriages. And when I finally got pregnant with him, I was on bed rest with him for five months. Uh, I had a very, very rough pregnancy, labor and delivery. Um, I had to get sewed up with the cervical cerclage. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, and since I had plenty of time on my hands while I was on bed rest, I started doing a lot of research. And a lot of the research that I was coming up with um, had to do not only with diet, but also environment. Um, and especially as black women, um, a lot of the like hair care products, makeup, ingredients that are in a lot of these things that are marketed directly to us had tons and tons of endocrine disruptors. Oh my and, goodness. <laughs> and there was a period of time where I thought I was doing the healthy thing and I like switched over to like all like soy based products. I was used, like doing Baca burgers and all of these things. And as I was researching, I, I, I came to find out, well, a lot of the soy here in this country is GMO, right? And so thinking that I'm doing something good for my body actually had a large contribution as to why I couldn't hold a pregnancy. It had a lot to do with why I was having um, so many issues uh, so for me, I started making those transitions. So not only in my food, but also in my environment. So I even looked at like 
what are the ingredients in my soap? What are the ingredients in my cleaning products? What are the ingredients that, because it's shocking to me, the things that are allowed on shelves that if you look up, like, like I actually challenge you guys, like take some of those things, go in the ingredients and just write the dangers of, and take one of the ingredients in, yes. in your Google search bar. And it'll yes. blow your mind. <laughs> like yes. it'll blow your mind. Yes, it is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and so really for me, I was like, I didn't know this growing up. My family didn't know this growing up. So there has to be other people out there that don't know this. And mm -hmm. so it's shocking to me, the ingredients that are allowed on shelves. And because I knew that I didn't know and other families might not know as well that it was my obligation to share that with other people um i'm a very open book where i realize that a lot of people um if they knew better they would do better right yes. and if if we had better options um then there will be changes made and the reality is when it comes even especially in the beauty industry when it comes to our hair care when it comes to our skin care um, the reason there's not more options is because there's not the demand. There's not the demand because we don't know. That is so real. That is so real. Listen, I've been looking up ingredients and I am blown away that they even allow some of these things in products. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this, <laughs> this can cause someone to have cancer possibly. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. So yes, y'all do your research, take those ingredients and just Google them. <laughs> Find out the dangers. You will be surprised. You also are a coach. You do coaching, well, within the beauty industry. So, and in, in your coaching, you focus on marketing, branding, and social media. Yes. So you take the beauty industry, you intertwine it with, with what's happening right now in the real world, and you coach individuals on that. That is amazing. Can you tell us about your coaching business? Yes, 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 yes. So with that, um, another thing that was hard for me when I was in working in the spa was you get so good at your craft and you get so good at what you're doing, but we don't realize that as, even if you work for a salon, even if you work at a spa, you still have to market yourself. You still are in business, right? And unfortunately because we're not taught those skills and those things a lot of times uh at least for myself i, I was in survival mode right so i wasn't necessarily retaining the clients that i wanted to retain or i wasn't getting paid what i i should have been getting paid and, and so for me i i just want to empower beauty professionals to know like this is what your worth is this is how we get in front of the right people this is how you market yourself. This is how you brand and even leverage. I think that's another thing that we don't talk about enough is you want to leverage not only your skills, but also leverage things that make sense to what you're doing. So mm. for instance, if I'm a hairstylist and you're using this incredible shampoo, why should I go somewhere else and buy the shampoo when you are the professional, right? Absolutely. I should buy my shampoo from you, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And, or even makeup artists. There's so many times where I'm like, you're sending people to Ulta. Like, do, like, 
they are coming to you because you're the professional. They trust you. They want to use the eyeliner you're telling them to use. So it should be something that you believe in, you trust, and that you can leverage so that you and your services are duplicating yourself even when you're not with them. Absolutely. That's a good point. That is that is great awareness. You know, one thing that I struggle with why I did not want to get into this industry when I was younger was because I feel like it had a bad stigma, right? Like a lot of stylists had, you know, either the salons were unprofessional, the conversations that were happening in salons were unprofessional, you know, it was just a lot of bad stigma around the, the black salon. And so that's why I shined away from um, wanting to become a part of the beauty industry. However, fast forward today, 2020, 20 years in, <laughs> and I actually love this industry. And I feel like us as a people in the work that you do have a major role in changing the stigmas of salons and how we operate and how people view beauty professionals. And I know, you know, it won't be perfect across the board, but it just takes one. It just takes small changes every day, you know, to put into your business and into your craft and even yourself, you know, find coaches that, that can help you see things differently to make your business better. So I appreciate that work that you do. That is amazing. So I think I remember we were, we were both a part of a conference that happened uh, a few months back and you did a segment on the five senses of beauty. And I thought that was dope. Could you share just a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I really came up with this idea and this concept because I thought about what made me stand out as a beauty professional, like, and what will make other people stand out as they're growing, as they're um, getting um, deeper, deeper into. And, and one of the things I think that um, just across the board is we have to really focus on experience, right? So the reason that, you know, uh, sometimes I want to shop at Target versus I want to shop at, I don't know, Marshalls or whatever, like, is mm -hmm. because of my experience, right? Or maybe I should have used Walmart or something, but Walmart. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's the experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know that maybe it's cheaper here, or you know that maybe, you know, they will or they might not have what you need. Whereas sometimes I'm like, no, I just want to go in, get what I want and keep it moving. And so when we talk about that experience, when it comes to a beauty professional is you want to enhance and touch all five of a person's senses, because what happens when we do that is we actually affect their memory and we connect with their emotions. And hmm. when you connect with a person's emotions, they're going to keep wanting to come back because it made them feel a certain way. Um, even when it comes to like psychology, we know that it attests to the fact that we want to feel good. And if something makes us feel good, we want to keep feeling that over and over yes. and over again. Uh, and so that's where that concept of the five senses comes from. Um, and, and even some of the things where you wouldn't think would be as important, even though you're a beauty professional, it is. Like, I remember, like, very distinctly growing up, like, in beauty salons, like, the type of tea that they had. And it was unique mm -hmm. to what they had. And so it touched on that taste, right? Or what do people see? <laughs> Which yes. I think is important even when it comes to how professional you want to be or not to be, right? And, and that can impact whether someone continues to come back um, over and over. 
um, what people hear, right? That's another <laughs> huge thing. And to your point, like you were saying, like with the unprofessional, um, should I be hearing the gossip of this person over there, right? Exactly. Yeah. Should should I know what you did last weekend, <laughs> right? Like, and, and then even um, when we talk about speech, I think that what you speak over your business, what you speak, you have to speak life into it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly speaking that, oh, I keep getting no-shows and, oh, people aren't booking or people are, you're putting that energy out there and what you're going to mm -hmm. keep getting is yeah. no-shows and yeah. people not booking, right? Yeah. So you mm -hmm. need to speak that life and speak what you want, speak abundance over your business um, and then touch, right? Like, I love getting my hair shampooed. <laughs> like That's, that's the scalp. best part of the service. <laughs> like that's an experience that's an experience mm -hmm. and then and then of course smell smell is a huge one too um i i love aromatherapy that's something that can set a mood um but there's there's so many different smells and things that you can enhance the experience for a person as well um so so yeah i think that the five senses really can play a, a key role into just elevating um, the experience for um, your clients and and it doesn't have to be something expensive you know what I mean like you don't have to like go to school and learn something new. like it's just mm -hmm. about being more mindful mindful that's it absolutely I agree with that one thing I like to credit myself on is I kind of learned those things while I was in beauty school and though it wasn't taught to me it was kind of instinctively my thing was when I started beauty school, I had a very like bad speech impediment, so I stuttered, which kept me from being one of those, you know, talkative people in school. So when clients came to me, I made sure that my conversation was directed towards them. It was about them. Um, they were my center of focus. And I was not the best hairstylist in, in school. You know, I didn't do hair growing up. I was an athlete. So this whole industry was brand new to me. However, um, I wasn't the best stylist, but I feel like my professionalism, the way I carried myself, the way I dressed, how I, my mannerism, that's what kept the clients coming back. And when I got out of beauty school, I already had a clientele waiting for me. So that kind of worked in my favor. So I agree with you. Those five senses are so important. And the next thing I want to talk about is your Lady Day LLC. You are just like superwoman over here. <laughs> Can you share that with us? Because that has a lot to do with the community aspects of health and, and wellness. Yeah. So, so my Lady Day LLC, um, that, that, like you said, it, it really just encompasses the community. Um, so outside of like my coaching and, and the specifics that I do with that, um, there was a lot of holes as a mother, as an entrepreneur that I was seeing that I'm like, I would go to networking events, but it's like, oh, my kids can't come or, oh, um, there's not enough resources or even actually my journey with trying to write the book. Like I had no idea where to start. Right. And nor could I find, like, I'd be on my Facebook, like anybody ever wrote a book? Like, <laughs> Hey, does anybody know an editor? You know what I mean? Like it, Googling, of course, my way, but I wanted to create a space where people can like collaborate and get resources from each other, right? Like, cause I feel like if you accomplish something and someone's helped you get there, like turn around and help the next person. Okay. Yes. Turn around yes. and help the next person. Yes. I just think it's so important um, when we have something good to give that back to other people. 
And so now um, I'm creating, like I have a Facebook group where um, we have different women um, and, and we just swap services. We just swap ideas and, and brands. And, and it kind of goes back to that community piece too, where it's like when you have people that are in similar um, spaces as you, um, you're going to thrive. You're going to be able to grow so much more. Um, and so that's a, just an important part of like community and my giving back that I, I think that I wish I had that or I wish somebody would have initiated that when I was going through some of those things. Oh, that sounds amazing. That is good. I need to get a part, be a part of that community and see what you guys got going on. Yes. <laughs> got going on in there. Well, I really enjoyed talking with you today, Dana. You are, first of all, you're beautiful on the inside and out. Um, I love all the work that you do. You give of yourself. You're empowering women to love on themselves, to be beautiful, um, you know, physically with their hair and their skin. I admire you so much. But before I let you go, um, I do want to ask you, is there something you can share with the audience in regards to our hair, whether it's a myth or a tip or a suggestion, something, anything that you have to share with us? Sure, sure. So um, my myth is that we, our hair doesn't need water. Okay. Hydration is important. I can't even tell you, like I spritz my hair every single night before I go to bed. Um, I, and even as an esthetician, this was something that water carries all of the other things, right? Um, I think um, we're so used to oil, 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 but even when it comes to the oil, if the oil is going to get into your cuticles or your hair, if it's going to get absorbed into your skin, it needs to be carried with water. So don't be afraid and shy away from hydration. Don't be afraid and shy away from water. Um, if you mix it right with the right combination, um, it's a good thing. Um, so, so one of the things that I do um, is I add like aloe vera, water, um, and then oil, right? Because it actually locks in um, my natural uh, moisture. And so I think that would be my, my myth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I always say, listen, y'all, water is like our best friend. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. It helps with everything. That's an amazing tip. Well, I want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. You had so much valuable information and I can't wait to do this again with you. Thank you. I appreciate being here. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will have all of Dana's tags and where you can find her at in the show notes. So be sure to check out the show notes. Again, thank you, Dana, for being a part of the Natural Hair Education Podcast. And thank you all for listening, tuning in, and sharing the podcast. Now, until next time, let's continue to educate, empower, and embrace our essence through the love of natural hair.